from oversaturated but dying of thirst, thinking what's yours forever is borrowed, and vice versa, having so much present, not enough presence, to treating a wonder as a wonder, knowing a brilliance from a wonder, letting your precious eyes rest. Hey everyone, welcome back to Solacene. This is the final episode of our internet semester. Today we are going to be designing a Solacene social media and also talking about our takeaways from this semester. And it sounds like your poem has something to do with your takeaway, Aaron. Yes. Um, I was inspired because last night I had some nightmares. Mm. Did, did you know about that? Or? Yeah, because I sneezed and you yelled at me very aggressively. Here's the thing. <laughs> I, had, I say some because there were two very prominent nightmares. The first one, very typical uh, subject. Spiders. Yes. Spiders crawling all around me every time I felt a little touch on my foot or knee. Um, it was a spider. And they had very big eyes and they were very hairy and they had a lot of legs <laughs> and they were crawling all around me. And the second one was more grotesque, maybe even too grotesque to share on the podcast mm-hmm. involving snakes and people's stomachs. I'll leave it at that. Okay. But I was just thinking about this. Like my dreams are very vivid images. Yeah. And on the one hand, I know the subconscious has a lot of power to create these images. But also, I think I've never really seen a big spider in my life. It's true. I've been to zoos sometimes, they have tarantulas, but never, yeah, never anything bigger than that. So, where are these images coming from? Perhaps I, from Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. From Harry Potter, from. Google images, maybe someone playing a prank on me, something like this when I was young, which scarred me for life. Um, I was also thinking about, I don't know if you were allowed on the internet during this time. I wasn't really, but when I was probably nine, maybe, so 2009, around there, 2008, 2009, my older sister was playing uh, some YouTube video in our computer room. And I was always like watching over her shoulder because I was curious about screens and the internet. And it was one of those ones where it was like i think it was a game where you had to try and navigate through a maze with the mouse without touching the sides mm-hmm. but then because you were focusing so closely like a screen would pop up with a with an ugly witch face mm-hmm. did you know about these yeah i knew about them i never experienced them because yeah i was well you can imagine what it did to a young uh, a young aaron i can imagine so my poem is basically about the subject of images and the internet and it's saying from these three things and the first one is oversaturated but dying of thirst which kind of means i think we're all addicted but not realizing it or in denial let's say and the second one thinking what's yours forever is borrowed and vice versa and what i was thinking about this was how we talk about when we learn things on the internet when we read things when we try and be productive or like uh, improve ourselves our education facts let's say we often don't remember them because of this inverse principle maybe where the easier something is to find, the less we remember it. Or the easier something is to learn, the less we remember it. Mm. Um, but with images, I don't really think they abide by the same rule. I think you can see it once in passing, even inadvertently, and have it stick in you. Yeah. So I was thinking about like, even if you are trying to follow the news, sometimes you'll be subject to violent images that you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Or you think about a lot of ads. Obviously, we don't really choose those we don't opt into those but we're subject to them and sometimes they can be quite pornographic let's say like sometimes mm-hmm. they can be really inappropriate on the internet so i think there is in the solo scene on one hand 
we need to kind of strengthen ourselves and have better uh, mechanisms for dealing with image reception, let's say. Like we need to be kind of steeled in that regard. Mm -hmm. But also we need to be just this acknowledgement that the internet is a minefield and we yeah. can't control it. And what do you do with minefields? You don't go on them uh, yeah. <laughs> frequently. Like you try to minimize your time on them. Yeah, I think that's a really great analogy. And then the third thing, having so much present, not enough presence. I was saying at the start of the semester, like I would always repeat um, too much content, but nobody's content. Yeah. I like these kind of kitschy, like put it on your license plate or put it on your, your bumper sticker um, mm -hmm. or on the classroom wall posters. Yeah. I think those are fun. <laughs> I would have that on a t-shirt. Yeah. And what I was thinking about this was a Christmas carol. You know how in the second part of a Christmas carol, the ghost of Christmas present, Scrooge gets to go see... What's Cratchit doing? What's his nephew doing? Spoiler for those of you who haven't seen or read A Christmas Carol. It's mm -hmm. kind of old now. Um, and that's such a wondrous moment. He's flying through the air and he gets to see all these things, even though he's kind of in his bedroom. And that's treated like this crazy fantasy because mm -hmm. it's a fantasy uh, book. But we do that all the time without thinking about it. And we do it with more than just two or three families. We can see thousands, if thousands, definitely hundreds of thousands of people lives yeah. in the instance from our own um bedroom or, or living room and is why i say not enough presence because because we have all these different presents like people's presence ts mm -hmm. uh we're not very mindful about our initial surroundings and that's why it says like those were the froms so the current state and then the solacine version treating a wonder as a wonder which means like giving that the respect that it deserves Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's why I say like treating it as a minefield, but also like this is an amazing thing. Let's not commit to it too lightly, basically. Yeah. Like this is a wondrous thing. Uh, knowing a brilliance from a blunder, which is kind of a chess terminology, but it just means like having that discernment that our generation doesn't really have, I don't think, because we are, as I say in the internet zine, uh, lab rats. So I think it's it's ironic because we've talked in this semester about science having to catch up to what's very obvious. You know, like scientific studies are very behind what I think is quite clearly the effects of different uh, digital or internet interactions. Yeah, for sure. So that's what I mean, like, we'll know these things. Like, we'll, ha we'll have that education. And then the final one, letting your precious eyes rest. Just because I really think the holy grail to bring things full circle for the internet semester is having the bright eyes. Yes. So having, maybe we can call them the Solacene eyes. Okay. It just means like those people that you see who have really bright and present eyes. Yeah. And I think it might be as simple an equation as good sleep, screenlessness, and mindfulness, like being, mm -hmm. in, the, being in the present. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I think increasingly it is challenging to even see things like, screens affect our literal sight like it makes you more nearsighted yeah but i find when you spend an hour or two on a screen and then go for a walk it's almost as if you do not see anything <laughs> like obviously you can see because like you're not bumping into things but it takes a certain amount of awareness to choose to take in your surroundings yeah well remember those optical illusions there's digital ones but there's also books where it's like you stare at the square for a minute and then look at the blank wall and you see Christ. Mm -hmm. I think maybe there's something like that. in that. <laughs> yeah. So for the Solacene social media app, it is, we wanted to make it geographic. 
And right before we recorded, Aaron and I were talking a bit about it and saying, wait a second, any kind of social media app is probably not the most solacine thing. Well, the thing is, we referenced this a lot during the semester, mm-hmm. but we never went into detail. So we thought that'd be a fun way to close it out. Yeah. And we talked during our ecosystem episode about having a personal device on you all the time, but mm-hmm. having it be very different from the device that we have on you now and more in service to creating real life interactions. So mm-hmm. we thought there could be some kind of social media or Nintendo 3DS-esque street pass system to foster human connection. Yeah. So do you want to hear what my plan was for it? And then you can either debunk it or tweak it? Yes, yes. Okay. So my app, I'm picturing it as a Bumble, X Reddit, X Facebook events, X Facebook marketplace. So that's basically to say Bumble is a dating app, but also a friendship app. I mean, I think there's probably like three people who use it as friendship and we are two of them. But (laughs) it's an app where you make a profile, you have pictures, you have likes, dislikes, and then you can filter by other people's interests. So it's like maybe you want to find a friend who doesn't drink and you like put that as a filter and then Mm -hmm. you find them and then you meet up and hang out and see if it works. The thing with Reddit, the reason I put that in there is obviously that's one of the darkest places on the internet. Yet it's the most, like, raw. There's no advertisements. And it's a really good way of pooling for information. So I'm picturing the app having that kind of message board, like a community board situation. Yeah, I mean, there are subreddits for most cities and big towns. There's a Montreal subreddit, for instance. Yeah, so Bumble, which is like a localized dating or friendship app. And then Reddit, which you can have those kind of forums. It's like a community bulletin situation. And then the Facebook events is like one of my favorite parts of online because you can kind of see things that are going on in your immediate area. And then, of course, Facebook Marketplace, there would just be a situation on this app where you can trade things, kind of like a buns, I guess I should say. Okay. So there's all that. And then the literal design of it is going to be a dark screen. Like, it's not going to be bright. A dark screen that you access through your portable device. I was picturing it. You access it at home. And here's how you make the connections with people. Say you go to an event. You're not thinking about this app while you're at the event. You're just at the movies or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then you can go home and you can... I mean, Facebook has this, I think, or at least used to. You log that you were there. So this is also partly inspired by us going to the cinema and seeing someone on Letterboxd. Yeah, that was exactly it. It was a week and a half ago. We went to see Asteroid City... And it was kind of like the first showing of it at the Montreal Theatre. So we were really excited. And the thing with such a specialized event like that is obviously everyone else there is really excited for it. Else they wouldn't have Mm -hmm. gone to the first showing. So it's like we know everyone there also kind of likes Wes Anderson movies or likes new movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we were there like 20 minutes early and there was just a black screen and people were just talking as everyone filled in. And exactly, there was someone a row ahead of us. Like, yeah. I could have probably reached out and touched them mm-hmm. on Letterboxd. And I was like, Alicia, <laughs> look, I'm on Letterboxd too, and so are they. Yeah. So Letterboxd is like a movie social media where you log your movies you watch and you review them. Yeah. And it is pretty niche, I think. Yeah, well, here's what's really interesting. Like, you can you can tag your reviews mm-hmm. on Letterboxd or just when you log a film. So, like, I logged that film, Asteroid City, and put my review. And I don't do this, but you can tag where you watched it so mm-hmm. people can tag 
Netflix, or you can tag Cinema du Parc, which mm -hmm. is where we went to see it. So if you click on that tag, you can see all the people who have tagged from that. Yeah, but there's no way to message them. Yeah, exactly. So with this app, it would be exactly like that. You tag, I went to the movies here, and then, oh, I wonder who else was there. And you can look, and maybe you can message someone and say, hey, do you want to talk about, even just like talking to the movie, what did you think of the movie? Mm. And then perhaps create a friendship that way. And I was thinking with this kind of not being at the event because the original idea for the app was like you walk into the room and you're kind of pinged by like who else is there. Yeah. And then I think that would make you look at your phone too much or your device. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking if you do it afterwards, because really in the moment you, how, this is so indoor kid, but how socializing works, I feel like is it's perhaps the first couple people you run into when you get there. It's who you talk to or you just don't talk to anyone because you're socially awkward like some of us. Thanks. <laughs> and, no, myself included. I'll just like isolate myself. But then you're like, oh, there was this person there who was really cool. And I wish how, I How do you know? Because you were in the event. Oh, because you spoke to them. You spoke to them, yeah. Or perhaps you just saw them and you're like, oh, they're like a cool looking person. Maybe I want to <laughs> okay. message them. <laughs> and then you can do this on through the app. And another aspect of the app is that there's a limit of 15 minutes per day yeah i was thinking about something like that or even less i don't know because then it's like oh you went to the event you just log it and then you get off mm -hmm. sort of thing it's not for entertainment it's more like a tool for facilitating social connection yeah and i don't know if it's going to be perfect i mean you could also do it oh i went for a run up the mountain this morning and then you log that and then maybe you can see someone else who logged it. Like, oh, I passed them. Maybe we should run together. Or so it just it just compiles every person in the city, in the immediate vicinity. Yeah, and like whoever wants to log their information. But what if it's someone from like Nicaragua, or it has to be local? It has to be local. So within a two mile radius or something. Yeah. Did you have a name for it? No. Obviously, I had a name for it, despite not having an actual <laughs> idea for the for the app. And the name is Radar. Radar, cool. Which stands for randoms around definitely aren't random. <laughs> okay, cool. There's something to that. Yeah. Because I've noticed that random or rando, as some of us like to say, has become a very common noun to, yeah. to describe other people. Um, and I don't like it. It seems very unsolicited. I've, I've said it before quite often, but it's like, oh, these randos. Mm -hmm. that's, such a, that's such an alienating language. Yeah, You know what sure. I mean? It's like, but they're just like you. They're just people. Sounds so kind of <laughs> heartfelt. Yeah. Another part of this is, I mean, dating apps is, is exactly what they do. Like, they are localized. You can set the radius. You can set yeah, your profile. But those are all just swiping from a couch. Yeah, exactly. And I was listening to a podcast. Like, it was kind of about dating apps. And they were talking about how, yes, dating apps improve the quality of marriages that drive from them that could be extended to the quality of friendships i imagine that are made on the app but because of all the choice and the gamification of yeah. socializing it's like we would need to really temper both of those things so it's not like a culture of okay i'm going to see everyone who went to this movie and message every single one of them it's just like perhaps the person who sat next to you and you say oh we'll just connect on radar or mm -hmm. whatever and I just think it would make communication a little easier because perhaps giving out your number to a stranger is like a little bit questionable or giving out your address. But if you're giving out your radar, 
it still serves a purpose. Like people probably would just give out their Instagram handle today or whatever. Yeah. So I think in the soul scene, there still needs to be that kind of intermediary thing because we don't all live in small towns where you know everybody now. And we won't in the soul scene. Like there'll still be cities and there'll still be huge numbers of people to kind of wade through and make decisions of like who you want to be friends with and who you want to make connections with. And that's kind of like something that historically hasn't super been the case. Like it's always been, even when you live in a city, you're more likely to have a community of people that you really know. Yeah. And now it's just like two of us drop in the middle of like 1.4 million people or how many people are here. Mm. And like you need some kind of intermediary way of making relationships. Do you think need? In soul scene? I feel like Because that's what I was wondering. Because I was like, (laughs) every idea I came up with, I thought this is either seriously flawed. Like the one that I'd just been kind of vaguely alluding to through the semester is some kind of wristwatch that Mm -hmm. beeps when you pass someone who matches specifications that you have set Mm -hmm. or whose um, digital identity that they've uploaded is similar to yours. They're on Letterboxd. Maybe they even watch the same kind of movies as you. But the problem with that, as we said, is it, it creates a different reliance and a different crutch, which is now, if this never beeps, you won't speak to anybody because mm-hmm. you'll know, you know, like the, the app has told you who is worthy or who is worth your time, let's say, mm-hmm. which is really, really a bad way of looking at people. So it might be good for creating friends, but not for fostering a, a wider sense of community and not for like fixing the way that I think we view people. Like yeah. that is kind of the dating app um, ideology, which dating apps have kind of ruined dating, I think. I don't date, but that's my my outside perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think the Letterboxd Asteroid City cinema case study is actually quite a pertinent one because the goal in the solo scene is basically to change it so that you just talk to each other. Yeah. No? Like, that's, yeah, how, that's how things were. That is the goal in the soul scene is just... So I think, obviously, like, I'm quite a shy person. Yeah. And maybe socially awkward, as you say. But I really think this is... A, like, it's not the case that everyone else was talking in the cinema, is the point. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone was just talking to the person they came with. Yeah. Even though we were all excited to see the same movie. Mm-hmm. And afterwards... Like, I remember listening to... Um, there's a podcast called The Pure Cinema Podcast, which is kind of the patron podcast of... Quentin Tarantino's New Beverly Cinema in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. which plays a lot of cult old movies from the 70s and stuff like that. And they always talk about how the screenings are so fun because afterwards, everybody together is spilling out onto the sidewalks discussing the movie. Yeah. And part of this is because there are regulars at the cinema. So it's like they see each other, they know each other, kind of like at a a gym over time, you you make friends like that. Um, but I also think a, a bit of it is that it's an older demographic going to see these 70s kind of niche Hollywood movies. Whereas, let's say, at a Wes Anderson movie, like this was quite a young demographic. And I feel like this might be sound like an excuse, but I think it's harder for young people to just randomly start conversations mm-hmm. in line. Like I remember um, we were walking one time just on a trail in Nova Scotia and there's this old guy across. He was walking in the other direction. He was like, hi, nice weather or something like that. Yeah. And we were kind of like, yeah, whatever. And then we walked past and I said, I feel like I couldn't do that to another like couple of teenagers, which we were at the mm-hmm. time, because that would be weird. Yeah. So I do feel like over, like old people have it easier, that's what I'm saying. 
I think it's a very hard skill to foster. Yeah, and today. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to get into the takeaways. And this is maybe this is just a good segue, but this is something I've been really trying to do is just like talk to random people, which is especially hard in a city where French. the first language is not your own. Yeah. And my French is, I mean, I'm sure it's fine, but I feel very to, unconfident when I speak out. in it. <laughs> so that's like an added layer. But even, I mean, most of the places I go to English is kind of like people know English. So I'm trying to do this because I've heard stories of like people that I know in the city who are super extroverted and they just can talk to anyone and they'll like strike up a two hour conversation on the street. And I'm like, I, if they can do it in English, I can do it in small amounts. I will say just going back to the app, something that I do like about the way people kind of communicate digitally now in gaming, it's like, oh, let's exchange friend codes or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in real life, sometimes you see it. I think it's usually dating. Oh, there's that moment where at the end of the conversation, you switch phones. Mm -hmm. And that feels like such an intimate gesture. Like, yeah. I'll give you my phone. You give me yours. We'll put in the number. Because mm -hmm. it's not even asking, like, oh, what's your number? I'll put it in. There's, like an, there's yeah. an exchange there. There's something kind of nice about that. It's kind of like a handshake or a hug. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about... Um, Maybe with these devices, let's say it's a wristwatch or something, there could be an actual contact mm -hmm. involved. Like maybe they have to touch wrists or so, like maybe they have to bump. Because I, I also yeah. like the idea of, um, I should have looked up the name before the episode, but you know those little cube toys that we used to have that had a stick figure in on like a digital thing? Like Tamagotchis? But yeah, they were like Tamagotchis, but they were cubes. And yeah. you could stack them and put them beside each other and the cubes would then interact and like mm -hmm. go from cube to cube. Yeah. So I like that idea also. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, it is cute. But I think it's it's doable to Hopefully we prompted, prompted some ideas. For Hopefully, yeah. So speaking of movies, I'll do the final meme of the week. Boo. I tried to think of my favorite meme. And my favorite meme is from like 2009, 2011. And that's... It's very niche, so I'm not going to do that. It's okay. a picture of a veterinarian lifting a large cat. No one knows what that is. But you might not know this one because it's TikTok related. But it is quite popular. And it's a series of memes, like meme templates, from The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is a movie <laughs> that not many people watched. Yeah. It was quite a bust. We watched it. Though, we for, watched for it. For some reason. I liked it, admittedly. Yeah, it was okay. And I think it's grown on me over time. And so it's a super random thing to be like a very popular meme. But I'll describe it to those who don't know this template. And it is, there's one of Pedro Pascal eating a grilled cheese sandwich. And there's another one of Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal driving in their car. And it's after they have decided that they need to facilitate a creative state of mind through the use of psychedelics i think yeah and so they're driving and pedro pascal is the one driving the car under the influence and he's just like having the time of his life but then nicholas cage is looking like mortified as you would if you were in the vehicle of someone who was compromised in the state that they were but that is the meme template and in the movie the song make your own kind of music does not play over that scene but for some reason in the meme template on tiktok that's the song that I don't even know what that song is. Plays over talk. It's like play your own kind of music. 
music. Anyway, so <laughs> that song plays on top, and the template is usually one side, like one person, and it says me having only drank one coffee today, and then it's Pedro who's driving the car being like, and I'm going to get my yes. second or whatever. Okay. And I don't know. It's That set of memes is probably my favorite, at least at the moment. They're funny to me, I guess, because I get them. <laughs> And I feel like a lot of memes I don't get. That's a hilariously convoluted explanation for the final meme of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very specific. Very specific, but I like it. And I was going through like the page of them on TikTok today because I was like, I wonder how people are using it because I've only seen it like a few times. And a lot of them were like, when you realize that this movie was a bust and we need to make it popular or something, I'm like... But you don't know what the movie's about. You know this two-second clip. Yeah. And you think it's funny. But it's like, it is funny in the context. Like, it was a funny movie. But it's just like, you don't need to make it a hit. Like, because you don't know what it's about. And I feel like that happens so often on social media. It's like, there'll be this clip that people don't get for the most part. Mm. And then there's like, some people are like, do you realize this is from like a movie? Or did you realize this is from a music video? Like, we need to make yeah. this a big thing and it's like it's very yeah that's an interesting phenomenon. i guess we didn't talk about that so much like the internet popularizing things that otherwise would have gone under the radar or would mm-hmm. have been and gone mm-hmm. like think about everybody younger than us discovering kate bush is running up that hill through the stranger things uh thing last year or the year before yeah not sure and it's like that was a massive like massive <laughs> massive song it would be like if someone was like Uptown Funk, like, this is a crazy song. We need to make this big. Yeah. It's like, it, it was. Mm-hmm. It was giant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's funny. I feel like that was the phenomenon that I wanted to touch on and also just give a glimpse into my sense of humor. Sure. <laughs> okay, the, the, the final part of the semester. This has been going on for four months. <laughs> four months? I think so. 18 episodes, one a week? Yeah. About four months. Um, wow. Is... <laughs> We're just going to do a little review because we thought 18 episodes is a long time. So we'll kind of give our takeaways. And also at the start of the internet semester, you said quite presciently, I think this is going to be rather transformative and even perhaps more personal than they usually are. And I would agree that that has kind of been the case. I agree. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So at the beginning when I made that bold statement, (laughs) I mean, I was sort of like, wait, Do I actually, because I felt like my internet practices and my screen time were fine. Like, I didn't really have much of an issue with it. It's usually under two hours a day because I don't work online and stuff. And I was kind of, yeah, like afraid after making that statement that I wouldn't be able to, like, actually be impacted. But I definitely have. And the first takeaway is that it's way harder to reduce my screen time than I thought it would be. Because even, I mean, we did the two weeks of, like, screen time reviews and about, it was like one and a half hours a week. Yeah. Or a day that I'd be like on social media and stuff. And I was like, and I find when I try and focus on something to reduce it, I increase it. Like the elephant in your mind. Yeah, exactly. So I found after trying to reduce it for that week, it went up. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like it doesn't make sense. Like I thought I had <laughs> stronger will than that to like just reduce the screen time. Yeah. But then in the last week or two, I just tried the the reverse psychology of just not thinking about it and that has in fact worked. Yeah, well, I really think this is like something that I've thought about 
it's less about this might sound like I'm trying to make a, a broad statement on like people's vices or something, but it's just personally with regards to the internet. It's less about deliberately not trying to watch it and more about deliberately trying to do other things. Yeah, exactly. And specifically things that are so opposite to the internet. Mm -hmm. And usually this involves movement. I think the internet is kind of synonymous with a stillness mm -hmm. and um, yeah, movement. And also movement begets, begets movement, like it makes you mm -hmm. want to be on the internet less. So it's kind of a, a domino effect. Mm -hmm. That's why starting the days is very important. Yes. Like the way you, you, you do your mornings, very yes. important. Today for the very first time in this four-month period, I said, I'm going to start as soon as I wake up going for a walk. Because normally I walk quite a bit during the day, so it doesn't feel like I need to like add any movement. Yeah. But I think that forward ambulation, as some random <laughs> podcaster or YouTuber once said that you watched is actually useful mm. in that it's like, okay, you're setting the tone that you're going to go for a walk or a run or whatever it may be. And I chose not to listen to a podcast. That's a bold yeah. statement wow. by me. Wow. I really want applause for that, but just to walk silently for like 45 minutes or whatever. I think that's very, very useful. But it's, it's, it is. There's something, it's the rhythm, it's the momentum, you know, it's you're moving towards something. And especially, mm -hmm. I mean, you're, in Montreal, you're usually going uphill. So you're like literally the, walking up a mountain. Yeah, there's something <laughs> to that. Regarding the semester itself, I think my, my main takeaway from the discussions we've had is that I actually feel overall more positive about the internet and specific digital things than I did at the start, or especially than I thought I would by the end. Yeah. Um, and part of this is that I, I'm trying now to think and talk less in general terms and more specifically so instead of saying oh that's bad mm -hmm. you know like that's just awful like tiktok for instance i like think pivoting it and thinking more what would be the solocene equivalent of this you mm -hmm. know what is this what itch is this scratching right now that in the solocene could be done in a healthier way mm -hmm. and then when you look at everything like that you start to see not just a ton of awful things but the seeds of what could actually be really good around mm -hmm. you yeah, for sure. I really think at the beginning, had I been forced to make a decision, will there be internet in the solo scene? Yes or yeah, no? That's such a... I would have said no. Right. Like, that was the easier um, call, but there were definitely, yeah, a lot of things that I kind of saw the merits of. And really the biggest takeaway in that sense is that the internet is a tool for good. But yeah. often people say it's good for contacting your aunt who lives across the ocean. Mm -hmm. It's like, but is that the actual, is that the issue? that yeah. the internet is currently solving and i don't think it is like i think the internet is filling a social void and further alienating us but therefore it means okay in the solar scene the internet needs to be a a genuine way of mm. making community and life run smoother yeah i mean i just see now that i'm looking for it i see everywhere how the internet is actually doing things for the for the good yeah. Like, I don't think it's, like, currently I don't think it is a net good, but yeah. I see the things that it does do well. Like, I was started reading um, Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, right? And I was just on the introduction, so I haven't actually really begun. But it was just talking about his life as leader in Rome. Mm -hmm. And it was saying, like, decisions took a long time, obviously, just even his decrees to take effect or communication with people on the outskirts would take months and it's like the internet just solves that yeah i mean i still think there's merit to 
slow living, real communication, sending letters. I enjoy mm -hmm. that. Like, I don't think everything should be texts and emails, but we shouldn't. So I say in the poem, like, treating a wonder as a wonder, we shouldn't take that for granted. Like, that's a crazy mm -hmm. thing. The fact yeah. that you can communicate instantly with someone in China. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. For it's sure. a feat, if nothing else. Another lesson that I learned about the slow living aspect of the internet and how to facilitate that in real life versus online is finding spaces that you can go to repeatedly and kind of giving yourself that challenge because during the semester is when I went to the museum every day for a week, yep. which then kind of spilled into about a month of going multiple times a week. So like I was there for the most part close to every day for a month which is something I'd never done in a space other than my home or workplace. Mm -hmm. And I think doing that, like choosing a space, it could be a park or a library or whatever, and kind of forcing yourself to go there unhindered, like without headphones in, without even work to do, and just like take in the physical space, it makes you realize the beauty of really simple things and also engage all five senses in a way that the internet doesn't do. I might suggest doing an episode on that book in between this semester and the next. Yeah. I think that would be a good topic. But that practice has been really transformative for me. And it's taken shape in like a lot of ways other than just literally going to the museum. And it's taken shape in, yeah, like daily walks or in our apartment. I think this is probably like one of the biggest changes in the semester is we've done these tiny little tweaks, I feel like, to make it a bit more engaging i suppose hmm. like the sewing machine is permanently out i got out the piano the record player has been on every day got a radio we got a thermometer there's like <laughs> these little things that make it a bit more like yeah feel like a space that you can engage with and always have something to do we started doing crossword puzzles now that you mentioned though i see that the <laughs> thermometer has indeed fallen from it's the window fallen. again my saliva wasn't enough to keep it <laughs> yeah crosswords crosswords is fun uh so recommends schwa that was one of the crossword solutions for vowel sound yeah five letters s c h w a so yes. props to whoever would have gotten that one because we didn't actually no we did get it but just by accident yeah and we were like schwa that can't be right yeah it was um did you have a favorite episode that you can think of a favorite discussion or a favorite meme from the semester i'll start so you have time to think my favorite meme was hide the pain harold I thought that was really fun, and I just kept laughing at the fact that his name is Andreas. Yeah. I don't know, like, it seems cruel of me to laugh, but he just doesn't look like an Andreas to me. Yeah. I thought he was literally just like some American guy called Harold, but apparently he's Hungarian, mm -hmm. like you said. And my favorite episode, I liked the one that we were talking about, Ecosystem. I thought that was really fun. I also really liked when you talked about a study that found conversation deteriorates if there's a phone even in the room let's learn if somebody's on it because now I, I think about that all the time now yeah me too and um just these different nudges that you can do in your environment like when we have dinner usually like one or both of our laptops will be on the table not open mm -hmm. but just on the table so it's like we can just move those off yeah and that's a different thing or putting your phone face down I know a lot of people do that or like putting it away like I've been on my phone a, a lot a lot less during this uh during the semester. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just different things like that. Yeah. My favorite episode is when we talked about the compulsion to share online and kind of how that's, like, you can't necessarily blame people, but it's also, like, you need to then 
work with people to change their mindsets when it comes to the internet because I mean you can't blame us you can't blame like other people because it's been yeah we web rats yeah like it was just like a dump of opportunity on us and it's kind of like you're obviously you're gonna watch youtube because it's exciting and it's educational and it's bright and it's like we're humans do you know the the bone graphic novels yes there's these little bone guys Mm -hmm. um they're made of bone and the comic book or the graphic novel series is also called bone b-o-n-e so um there's bone and their seasons i always remember this like from there, the way their winter starts is just like they'll be talking one panel, like winter's coming soon, and then the next panel, the snow will just all fall on them to like chest height. Mm-hmm. And that's how it feels like with technology. Yeah. But it's also like that isn't also an excuse. No, of course. Yeah. To just like waste your life looking at a screen. And I'm talking to myself yeah, because we're, we're grown ups. Yeah. It's like you can just put it away and not be on social media. And it's like usually I feel like the biggest Solacine gripe with the internet is how we use social media. It's not necessarily Googling recipes or Googling how to get somewhere. Like that's... Well, I think that's there also. There's like an element of that, but it's like if you broke down how much time you spent doing that each day, which mm-hmm. is like 10, 15 minutes True. with how we use it to consume entertainment. Entertainment is probably the keyword of like, we need to find alternative forms of entertainment or an even just like more intentional uses of the internet of we're going to watch this movie yeah, this week. That's what I was thinking because I, during the semester, it seems like a long time ago, but made the decision to stop watching bad movies. Yeah. Like to, to try and curate ones that I think or know that I will really enjoy. So mm-hmm. It's like there's just a massive difference to that rather than just scrolling Tubi every night. Yeah. I shadow to the thought and just watching Rock and Roll High School because it's like, well, this one has the doors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your favorite meme? You never remember them. I never remember the memes. I thought the meme of the week was a really fun segment, and I think for future semesters we can keep doing a themed thing. I like the organism; like that will definitely have a place. Yeah. But I just thought the meme, the way it kind of um, added to conversation, was a a lot more natural than the the Mm -hmm. way the organism does. Yeah, for sure. It was also just funny a lot of the time, and I didn't have to concern myself with drawing. I feel like drawing the organism is always a difficult thing. Yeah. In case you couldn't tell by my scribbles. A couple other just random thoughts I had. We rearranged our apartment. Yes. And I really think that this was a, another type of nudge where it's like, we're going to almost deliberately decenter the television, yeah. make it a little bit less easy to watch. And mm-hmm. I feel like that helps a lot. Also, what this semester has made me realize and just looking around is that I don't think among adults we have very radical opinions of the internet. Like I think most people listening to our episodes would agree or even be like, this is trite, obviously. So I think we are only maybe slightly ahead of the curve. That's kind of a, a thing we like to say, like slightly ahead of the curve. Not like, it's not like nobody talks about this kind of thing is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and what the semester has really made me realize is among children. Like that I think is going to be the kind of, um, war zone if you want to if you want um ideologically over the next like decades and currently is tech companies targeting children because they they don't know any better and so they will just grow up with it Mm -hmm. so this is why i think uh yeah there needs to be equally people striving to show their child real trees not just twitter trees yeah (laughs) 
I mean, two days ago... Real was... threads, not just Facebook threads or Instagram threads. <laughs> this reminds me of something that happened a couple days ago. I was walking down the street with a child, and there was like a electric billboard on the street. Like, the bus stations have them on the ends. Mm-hmm. And he stopped and tried to, like, use it as a touchscreen. Yeah. And then I just went, look at the sky. Look at the sky. It's blue. <laughs> That's what you said? <laughs> yeah. This makes you sound insane. It does. It makes you sound like you're having a meltdown. I can just imagine you. It's because it's, it's so often. Like, the kid just pokes a board and you just stuck. You just collapse <laughs> to your knees. Start crying. This is a dramatic reenactment, but I was just like, stop looking at the, t- the screen like it's yeah. a beautiful day but it's a, like i don't think <laughs> war is even that dramatic a language like it's a when you think about how much expertise and money goes into making children addicted to different platforms yeah it's like you need to treat it as seriously as the execs on twitch and tiktok do mm-hmm. to in you know how how much they try to make it addictive you need to be like a force for good yeah it's like the dark side in star wars it is. Another small thought just for myself is that I have found it's probably a little bit more productive to try and curate internet use, let's say YouTube videos, rather than trying to quit cold turkey. Mm-hmm. That sounds a little bit weak-minded, but it's just like, it's what I found. I've been trying to reduce my YouTube usage for years, and I have done that gradually since I was probably 17 or 18 but especially now, like if you institute something hard, like I will only watch videos from my subscriptions, mm-hmm. then it forces you to subscribe to things that you really find one genuinely entertaining or genuinely uh, enriching. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it doesn't really matter what's recommended to you outside of that because you have a rule or something. Yeah. Or you say, I'm only going to watch two videos a day. Mm-hmm. Like there's a big difference there. So yeah. just trying to allow, allow yourself to indulge in ways that aren't unhealthy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I was thinking about earnestness, 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 which is kind of like our generation has this plight of we will watch something ironically mm-hmm. or we'll read something ironically. Like I think that was always plaguing us with regards those Jubilee YouTube videos mm-hmm. where it's like, no, nah, this is dumb, but look how dumb this is. Let's Let's watch it to see how dumb it is. But it's like the joke's on you because you just spent 20 minutes of your life watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Curate, don't consume will be the the motto of that. Well, you got to think about how much content there is. Yeah. But is anybody content? I think those are the, uh, the eternal words that we'll leave our listeners with. Yeah. So see you all next week for a Lucy Goosey episode. Can't wait to see you. Have a good week. <laughs>